Welcome to the Athletes Mindset Academy podcast, where we help gymnastics coaches and parents develop happy, healthy athletes who know how to win. Let's get started. All right, you guys, it's Amy Twig. We have a special guest today, Dr. Greg Wagner. Now this, this man, you guys, you have to understand, I was going through the things that he has accomplished, the things he's done, and I had to trim it down quite a bit because he's just done so much, so much good for the athletic community. So I'm just going to give you a few things, but we're going to dive right into some of his stories because I'm excited to hear. Um, but he has been teaching, coaching, serving as athletic director for over 40 years. Um, in all levels of sports, which I think is great because when you have tried the younger, the, the, well, the younger sports as well as the D1 sports, there's a range of things going on there. Um, he spent many years as a specific wrestling coach at a college level, as well as football coach, football assistant coach. Um, he, from what I understand, Greg, you were the uh, former NCAA Division II two-time All-American wrestler yourself. And you may tell me I was wrong about that, but that's what I was understanding. And there's just so many accomplishments as a coach of wrestlers at the college level. You guys, there's just, I, I mean, we could probably have this podcast go on for hours, but we'll keep it short. I'm just going to give you a few more things. He understands, this is what I, this is why I connected with Dr. Greg Wagner. He understands the power of the mind when it comes to sports. And he understands the need for the emotional management tools. He understands what the zone is and how to stay in the zone, which I love. And the balance that it takes for an athlete at a high level to master skills as well as master life. And I love that. There's so many things. He was the president of the D2 Athletic um, Directors Association. And he served in so many positions that it just, it goes on and on. So before I just take the whole time telling about how awesome you are, we are going to have you jump in. Dr. Wagner, and tell us some things about why you found, when I was talking to you briefly on the phone um, a while ago, it was easy for me to see that you've been able to influence the, the mental and emotional health of athletes among the NCAA. And I want to hear some of your background, how that happened and what you've done and what you've learned as an athlete, as well as coaching athletes and then moving your way to athletic director. There's a lot in that, but I want to just jump in, tell us some of your stories. How were you able to influence the devil? You told me about 13 years ago, I think you had some, some situations where you're able to get more of the emotional health tools into the hands or at least top of mind priority for NCAA and what you find as an athletic director, how you're able to influence those things today too. So let's hear it. Tell us some things about what's going on for you. Well, I, I think, um, you know, I've always been an advocate for the mental part of the game. It was a big part of, of what I dealt with when I was an athlete. I didn't have it really explained to me necessarily. Uh, coach would say, get mentally ready. And I, and I had a great coach. I had a, a lot of great coaches, but um, formal uh, mental relaxation skills and visualization and things that like that were sort of self-taught over the years. And they, they made a really big difference for me. Um, and, and I, as I, as I got into the coaching world, the longer I got into the coaching world for whatever, for many reasons, I kind of gravitated to that area as well. And I think one of the reasons is, is particularly when I got to the college level, we, we had a lot less resources than our competitive peers. So I took the approach that we, we needed to do everything. And, and it was sort of my educational model. Anyway, we weren't just about winning national championships or things like that. It was about developing the person because that's what happened to me. The, the fact that 
I was in, it's sort of a long story with my background, but being involved in wrestling and sport and having coaches and those mentors, it saved my life literally. And, and it, and it sent me down a path uh, that, that, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I became, I went into coaching and as an educator to pay it forward. And so these young men, it, you know, wrestling and athletics is a vehicle to develop and it certainly reaches the capacity of some people that perhaps are a little on the edge, perhaps are from a single parent family, perhaps need some guidance, but they've got a lot of energy to put into something and it can really help you do that. I think a lot of times we look at helping a, a, a person of that nature as long as they're jumping high and running fast, you know, then we, we're helping the kid. And that's not necessarily true. We might even be enabling some of that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we've got to have tough love sometimes. You've got to have accountability and discipline. But certainly, though, athletics is a vehicle to help with that. And getting that college degree was important to me. Uh, learning, learning just how to be a good person and, and, and those types of things. So I already had a multidimensional approach anyway. And then in, in, order to, in order to recruit and compete at a national level with less resources, you've got to do everything well. You've got to work harder to recruit, work smarter to recruit, get a fit. Not necessarily the best skilled athlete, but an athlete that fits you and your system. you got to understand your system um, you've got to you've got to approach flexibility and recovery and nutrition and you you've got to approach all of that with with intentionalness with with an with a, with an intent and you've got to educate your athletes on it and the more they can do all that so the mental part especially everybody talks about the mental game yes mental game is ninety percent of the game right it's, we know that people don't spend ninety percent of the time. <laughs> No. Oh, and you and I talked about that. So how much time do you think they spend? Like I just when you just throw it, we we throw that phrase out. It's at least ninety percent of the sport. How much percentage? If you were to give a percentage on average that people in athletics spend on their mental training, what do you think it would be on average? Well, I you know I part of it depends on how you define that. You know, coaches yeah. are saying motivational things and they're punching buttons and way to go and. Hey, come on, Bobby. Let's, you know, he's kind of getting in his shorts a little bit or something, but, but intentional, deliberate mental exercises, mm -hmm. uh, less than 1% on average, yes. you know, and I agree with you less than 1%, at least less than 5% for sure. Yeah. But we understand the idea cognitively that it's important. So keep going. Tell us what you so, think. So the research is out there. Uh, we know if you listen I mean, at the highest levels, at the very highest levels, there's so many elite athletes, and and you know that better than I do. You were on the national team, you were at Stanford. I mean, they, they, what separates that? What separates those from those that make the Olympics? What separates those that make? I mean, some of it's skill, some of it's that, but but even then, they'll say, well, they worked harder, and they 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 that may be true. But they were able to work harder because it's inextricably linked, partly because of their mental focus. Yeah. And I think all of that is so in, inextricably linked. And, and, and I think the other thing is some people come by it a little more natural than others. Mm -hmm. But regardless, the ones, the, 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 what separates the elite from the very, very good or the elite from the excellent is just more mental. It's, it, it, I, I really believe it's those mental differences that look very small, 
but they become very large, especially under stress, especially when it's on the line, and especially with consistency. When, when doubt can creep in and distractions can happen, the more you've done that, and you have to exercise your mind and your deliberateness with those skill sets, no different than you, you repeatedly, you know, it, it, coaches talk about reps and, and, and all these different things to get in. So your me uh, muscle memory and all those things on technique and you, you start reacting instead of thinking. Well, that's true until, until your mind starts thinking and starting getting doubt. And it doesn't matter how many reps you did if you haven't also learned to control that with your mind. And, and so I, 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 I think it's, it's, it's unfortunate that more people don't spend more time at that. Mm -hmm. um, I think some of it is maybe they're not as educated to it or feel as comfortable. You know, we all kind of coach where we're more comfortable too, right? Right. Which is okay. And right. if you don't, then you need to seek resources. We, you know, we teach, I used to teach my freshmen, you know, if you're going to survive, don't go in the library and wander around and just hope osmosis, you know, is going to sink in. <laughs> go, go over to the person at the library information desk and yeah. ask for guidance. Now, they're not going to write your term paper for you. But yeah. you're, you're going to ask for guidance. You utilize your resources. Yeah. And so it's the same thing with the mental. I did that with strength and conditioning. I wasn't the best at strength and conditioning. So I would, I would seek help from people I knew that were and pick their brains. Uh, I did that with technique and, and other strategies just in coaching. I was never too proud to learn from somebody else. And, and so I think this is the same thing. With nutrition is another recovery. You know, we don't spend enough time on recovery and sleep. You know, guys stay up playing a game and all night or something, and then they get sick and they wonder why they're sick as right. though it was just bad luck. There are some <laughs> things you can control, but yeah. as you know, with the mental, we have, we have to control what we can control mm -hmm. and, and not worry about what we don't can't control. But I don't think we always define what that is because there are some things we can control that we're not, that aren't just bad luck. There's a lot um, more that we can control than we're giving credit to, I think. Yes. And, and I think, and on the other hand, when you, when you, you can control things, uh, I, I, think, I think part of controlling and part of that reducing that anxiety and that doubt that is, did you truly prepare? If you truly prepared, if you truly did all the things we talked about from nutrition to recovery and sleep and, and, and all those things, you truly did that, you're going to be more competent right now and, and you're going to feel less self-doubt anyway. So there's a number of things that go into that, but you also, at the end of the day, you have to develop those mental skills and learn how to reduce that you know, get to that optimal level of arousal on the inverted view, right? Mm -hmm. and, 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 and to reduce that self-doubt and learn breathing techniques mm -hmm. and learn in touch with yourself and, and mental cues. Mm -hmm. And that you have to do that deliberately and exercise it and rep it just like you do other things. And, and, yeah. and so I would encourage coaches to make sure they, A, become more knowledgeable of it and yeah. B, that they... Um, are able to um, that that, that they reach out to the resources and and expertise uh, to help them with that and and there's lots of them out there there's lots of people out there and that, that can do that they they just need to reach out to them. Okay, I love that you brought that up because one of the things that I found is that sometimes coaches are resistant to bring in outside resources. Why do you think that is? 
Well, you know, whether it be a nutritionist or whether it be a mental health, you know, professional or a sports psychologist that I don't know somebody or something like that. I know when I was a coach, it was, it was trust. You know, I, you know, I've got this relationship with this student athlete, you know, we kind of, we know, I know what I kind of want us to do. Outsiders might not know exactly where we're at when, you know, kind of some subtle history behind where we're at and what I think can push their buttons and, and that type of thing. And they might mess that up, right. Or get in the kid's head wrong or, or something. And all of that is potential, by the way. I yes. mean, all of that can happen. Yes. And I think, I, I think that that's legitimate to have that concern. You can't just willy nilly bring somebody into your kid's heads. Mm -hmm. Okay. I agree. But you can't not address the issue and do, and be fair to the kids, and 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 you know there's a lot they're juggling a lot. Young young kids today are juggling a lot, and the mental health issues of young people today, especially college age, and as you mentioned, some statistics, especially females, but but all of them, the mental health issues are exponentially greater than they were, and and we're. That may be for a whole nother podcast. I have theories on why that is, but the bottom line is, is that, that they are. And, and this, you know, getting mental out, not, you know, and, and including counseling, including comfort and support and things of that nature. And, um, you know, knowing when to sort of be, give tough love and challenge those student athletes with yeah. your coaching style. And I was one of those. I was, I'm, I'm a coach like that. And knowing when to put, and I had a good mentor. My coach was so good at that. You know, he, he, he knew, he knew how to tick me off, you know, and get in my head and challenge me, tell me something I couldn't do. Yeah. I, you can't be that guy. He's, he's like, whatever, you know, he, he knew what button to push on me, you know, I'll prove him wrong. Yeah. But but everyone's different, and 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 yet also I remember times too that I was at a breaking point, and and he put his marshmallow heart around me in in, in a very subtle way, you know, and 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 he just read people really well. So I had a really good mentor in that, and and I think that um, you know we need to get that comfort and that especially if it's serious sounding and some of that around that, but they're tied together. You know, mm -hmm. the sports psychology, mental skills part of it is tied together. Mm -hmm. They can learn to manage their emotions with these skill sets where they're less likely to get into a hopeless, depressive state mm -hmm. of and paralyzing fear. And, 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 and so it's, it's really, to, especially today, it's mm -hmm. critical that those kinds of skill sets and uh, get around these athletes. Mm -hmm. And so you, you, yeah, I think you have to, you know, you have to take the time, you know, everybody's too busy. Well, I've got to, I've got to put in this offense or this defense and I've got to, you know, I've got to weight train and I got to do this and we got to do cardio and then we got to do technique and then we got to go live and there's no time. You, you have to find the time somewhere, somehow when it's that big a part of the game. And when we're talking about human beings and the mental part and their mental health and so, so that's just as a human being, but take it a step further. It will, their, their performance, their performance yes. will go to another level with yes. this. Yes. Well, so you, you brought up so many good points. I, a couple of things I want to know about before we move on is when you talk about a breaking point, 
when we get to breaking points, it's usually because we have mismanaged thoughts about us and about our capabilities and about our emotions and what should be happening that's not happening. So to me, breaking points are coming to a point where we have to decide, do I want to believe that I'm not enough? Do I want to believe that this is happening to me and I can't handle it? Or do I want to believe that I can figure this out and with resources, I'm going to become stronger than this thing? Breaking points are some of the most beautiful points to become uh, vulnerable and learn how to trust, trust yourself. So when you talk about a breaking point, do you mind sharing a story with us about a time as an athlete? Do you remember times where you, you said there's times where you got to breaking points where you had a, a, a great resource of a coach who was able to know when to tick you off and when to hey, say, hey, you're enough, you're good, you got this. Do you remember any stories as far as being a NCAA two-time all-around person? You've had moments of up and downs where they're super hard. Do you remember a specific time that might be able to resonate with some of the listeners where they think, should I go on? Should I quit? Is this the time for me to give it up? Yeah, I do. Uh, my freshman year, uh, I was cutting way too much weight. This is back in the 70s, and we didn't cut weight very smart. And it was kind of a pride thing on how much weight you could cut and how fast. Huh. And I was good at it. Um, but it, it, it affected my performance. And I... It, I, I didn't have a vehicle, um, my own fault. I didn't have a vehicle. Um, and and uh, I lived 12 miles out of town and in the college I went to, I mean, it was like 20, 30 below zero and I'm hitchhiking to school and I'm a freshman, I'm cutting weight. Oh gosh. And, you know, pretty soon I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm hating life and I'm hating school. And we were getting ready to wrestle um, uh, University of Arizona. I remember this and, and, uh, they, I, I was at a breaking point and my coach told me, you know what, I want you to take um, this week off, think about some things and just, I'm, I'm going to put so-and-so in. And he, and he really, he didn't get into why, because I was so prideful. No, I'm tough enough. I, you can't pull me off because I'm, but I was, I was. And had he not pulled me out that week, I, I don't know. I was really close to break it, but I've never quit anything in my life. And I said, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. But it was just enough to give me a little breath. And I, and I, and it was toward, toward the latter part of the season. And then I, I, I pushed pretty hard and finished pretty decent at the end of the season, but was still at that point in my mind, not going to come back. And he, he just did some little things through that spring that started to build my confidence. And then he gave me a big talk about how he thought I could be and they had a great long wrestling tradition there and one of the best that has been through. And, and, you know, he seemed pretty sincere with it, but by then I'd had a couple months of eating in my belly full. See, so, so I, I didn't realize, you know, the, the different things that can happen to do that. And I, I had a number of external factors mm -hmm. on me and I was a pretty independent person and pretty, I felt mentally tough, but I even got to some points and, and he just read that at the right moments and did some subtle things without hurting my pride, without saying, you know, oh, I know you're having trouble. So it was just subtle, you know, and, and Dr. It was Ratner, for you specifically, when you were hitchhiking 12 miles and it was cold, what were your thoughts about you and your capabilities? Why would you get to a point where you're debating? Am I even going to come back next year? What goes on inside athletes' minds, do you think? Because we all have these moments, right? But we have them in our different ways, our different experiences. What was going on for you that you can remember where you had this great coach who helped you through it? But for you in those moments, what do we go through? What are some of the thoughts that you have? 
Well, you know, I didn't reach out for one thing. Two months, I'm not going to reach out. I'm too prideful. In fact, I wouldn't even admit it was the it was the crazy weight cut that had anything to do with it. I'm tough enough to do that. Yeah. I just think, but but but, and I used to preach this to my athletes later. I would tell them these stories. Yes. Everybody, I don't care who you are, or you're going to go through an adjustment period when you get the call. Yes. Yes. You're going to have all that novelty. You know, there's there's boys and there's girls and there's and there's distractions and there's excitement. And then that kind of starts to wear off and the weather gets cold and you're wrestling and you're cutting weight and you realize, hey, listen, I was a big dog in my backyard back home, but right now there's four or five other big dogs ahead of me and they're not all seniors, right? And I've got right. a challenge to a new level. And you know, then the next thing you know, I don't have a car and this place I'm living is 13 miles away. And, but I'm, that's not what it is, it's, it's whatever. Well, it, I, I wasn't going to process that. It was just the way I was raised and the way I was um, brought up. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact of the matter is all of those new challenges are, mm-hmm. are there. Mm-hmm. And it's, oh, and, and, and by the way, it's, it's, it should be uncomfortable. It should challenge you. It's how you grow, right? It, and, it, and get better. And college athletics is not for everybody, people. It's not. And mm-hmm. so it's how you react to that. But sometimes a coach can do some things mm-hmm. to get you, A, I think today we've got to talk to them a little bit more about it's okay to talk about it. It's okay, okay. to show what some people would say, the snowflake side of us, right? <laughs> and, and so it, it, I, I think there's a balance. There's times you still have to get some tough love in there, right? Mm-hmm. But, but I think that um, having the ability to set up that trust and communication we have a stigma in Western culture on mental things. Okay. Yes, I come from a family where there's some mental health issues and I've, I've been around it my whole life and you, they're real and depression is real and, mm-hmm. and manic depressive uh, situations are real. These people are good. It's not like there's something wrong with them any more than there is a diabetic. Mm-hmm. Right. right. But, but you just have to learn to address it. But we still in American culture, have not embraced that the way we need to in terms of because it sh- it, it kind of indicates a sign of weakness mm-hmm. or or that type of thing i think particularly with males but um you know maybe there's not a big difference there we've got to embrace that part of it is under, is embracing that part of it it's no different than learning nutrition learning how to stretch right learning how to lift right for your sport and yes. the, the right time of year how do you address and exercise and develop skills mentally with mm-hmm. your mind and breathing to get rid of that self-doubt, get rid of the, those, those, that anxiety that paralyzes you and, ta- and, and takes energy from you and, and all of those types of things. You, you, you have to learn to address that. And, and, and the elite athletes do. They, you know, they're, you know, the, the, the Michael Jordans and, and the LeBron James and, and your very elite level athletes, those people mentally visualize. Those people, and some people are more naturally good. If you watch the, 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 the documentary on Michael Jordan, it, oh, it's, it's on right now. They can get it on Netflix, but I watched it when it came out in several segments a few weeks ago. It is, it is the power of his mind to focus and to 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 deep it's beyond impressive i mean it's well, here's, here's the beautiful thing about like you're saying two things is you wouldn't go practice without strength training flexibility warm you just wouldn't do that and yet we go to practice 
coaches and athletes without any mental prep. We don't take care of our mind, but we take, take care of our flexibility and our strength. And the people who naturally are flexible may not naturally be mentally tough. The people who are naturally strong may not naturally be flexible. They're all just a part of the whole picture. And when you say recovery, we don't take care of recovery. We don't take care of our sleep. We also don't take care of our flexibility in ways unless you get the resources. But if you wanna be the one that takes care of all of it, that's an exhausting job as a coach. That's overwhelming to feel like you're gonna be a master coach for every piece of your athlete's amazing success. There are very few of them out there, even at the national level, they, they, they've got all those other coaches around them. And, and you, Michael Jordan may have been a natural at his mind, but he probably wasn't a natural at all the pieces, right? Right, and, and you know this from being a national team member. Coaches, you know, the coaches are doing this and they have some of that, but they've got experts around them that are helping them with their athletes on all those other areas from strength training to nutrition. And they're, you, that's how it is at the national level. Why wouldn't we emulate that to the best we can with our resources? And sometimes people are saying, well, I don't have the money. Think about, stop and think about all the things you spend money on or you guys go out and do <laughs> money fundraisers for. If mental game is 90% of the game, then make that a priority in what it is you're, you're, you're doing with your mental. You brought up one other point that I think is a very important point. So many times, I think the vast majority of athletes, particularly at the long, younger level or the medium level, um, they come to practice. You know, they get out of class, they go home, kind of take a nap, kind of get, oh, okay, I got to go to practice. They kind of go to practice. They put on their gear. They walk in the wrestling room or whatever. And then, okay, it's time to stretch. There was no mental preparation for that practice that day. You have to learn how to mentally prepare for practice if you want to truly get intentional, purposeful, purposeful practice and improve. Because it's the athletes that improve in practice each day, each week, throughout the year, all year long, that are able to, 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 to sustain at the end. Seasons are a grind. And I always told my athletes, you know, we would talk about it before season started so that we already knew kind of what was coming. And late January, early February, you're there starting to get that, you know, the red shirts are over here and they're wanting to do some things that are distracting to the, uh, in the off, uh, you know, off the mat from what the starters are doing because they don't have a match coming up, but they're critical to the team culture still. And, and so you're talking about those kind of things. Right now is where a lot of teams do start to fade and a lot of individuals. They're starting to look forward to the end of the season. They're hurt. Maybe they've gone through a week or two of rut. That's when you've got to go. The great teams are the ones that can go to a whole nother level. The great teams are the ones that can improve during the season, not just off season. It doesn't just happen because you come a year older or because you're a few weeks down the road. You have to have intentional purpose in how you're improving and that mental part down the road. In my sport, third period, third period we own. We own we own overtime. If we go to, we love overtime. If you can take them to overtime, other people are like, God, I don't want to go to overtime. <laughs> so everything's inextricably linked with being able to have more cardio, more and, and more more preparation. I also believe this. I believe a lot of injuries happen because they're not mentally prepared. They didn't stretch right. They didn't do whatever when they started practice. Those are again, it's oh dang, bad luck. You know, I, I got sick or I got uh, injured. Maybe it is just bad luck. Maybe there was something you could have done about it. And that intentional focus before you walk in your practice is important. 
I think when you, I, I feel very strongly about injuries. I feel like a lot of injuries are due to fear, due to high expectations that they don't want to fulfill. So injuries give them an escape route during like the mental preparation of injuries. I, those two go hand in hand in so many ways in my mind. So I love that. Okay. I think I cut you off on Michael Jordan. I think you were saying something about the power of his mind, his ability to focus, which may or may not be a gift of his or something that he learned either way. We can all learn the skill sets. I wanted you to, to finish off your thoughts if you had more about Michael Jordan, what you learned from watching his documentary, as well as as an athletic director now and the role that you're at. You went through all the steps of being an athlete, and then you got to some top levels of athletics. Then you went as a coach, and you won a lot of things as a head coach of a lot of teams. Then now you've gone through athletic directors to being on the board of associations for athletic directors. You have seen a lot of different varieties of how this mental health has changed and how the importance of it has changed at the top level as an athletic director. But what is it that you saw in that documentary that may be impacting the way you are leading your school, your university today? Well, I, I just, I, I think more than anything, the point I was leading up to is, it, it, it is what he had, and he had physical skills that were unbelievable. He had everything. But he, none of those mattered without the unbelievable power of his mind. If you watch that documentary, his mental was galaxies above everybody else. Mm. But he lifted his teammates up to levels that, that he did that, both in just different ways that he did that. And, 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 and I just ask anybody, watch, watch that, because mentally he, he's beyond. He's, well, he's Michael Jordan. He's the, he is. And it wasn't just the physical that made him that way. In fact, I would argue by far it was mainly his mental. And maybe he came about it more natural. I don't know, Mike. We haven't hung out in a while. I haven't asked him whether or not he does some visualization. But, but I'm, I, it, whether it's natural or otherwise, he did. Little things he would do to focus in. You know, this one in the documentary shows this one scene where this guy afterwards said, hey, good game, man. And um, he 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 I don't think he intentionally meant it any kind of dig like good game, like we beat here or something. Right. But Mike deliberately twisted that and took it that way. And in the neck, it was a game of a series during the championship play. And he came back and he purposely guarded that guy and took that guy on for the game and he destroyed him. Oh my the, the guy didn't do anything to, to really deserve it, um, <laughs> to egg him on, right. but he, but he learned, he learns how to take the, the mental like that. And so, you know, I, I look at that and then, you know, I'll just say one other thing in that line yeah. and then I'll, I'll kind of answer your question, but my, you know, talk, look at Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps talks a lot about mental health, you know, mm -hmm. and, 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 and some of the depression he's gone through. If a guy like Michael Phelps believes mental health and seeking counseling and seeking help, is important then doggone it man <laughs> who's got more gold medals than him right mm -hmm. so it's just it, it's very very important that um that 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 i think we more normalize it and and mm -hmm. and uh and it's important for beyond sport performance it's just important it's important yeah so you know as far as um yeah i think as an athletic director and and yeah. everything i've seen i you know i i i think I think athletes, one of the reasons that there's such a big fear of failure, and this is, as an athletic director, increasingly we are taking programmatic steps to address with our staffs, um, with our people, mental, mental um, 
you know, the, the, the mental health part of things, you know, the counseling part, because there's so much more, you know, the suicides are up, things are up, right? And so, you know, years ago at the Division II Athletic Directors Association, uh, we were at a convention and when we were having a town hall discussion and one of our colleagues said, you know, last night I got a call, it was in June, and one of their, one of their football players had committed suicide over the summer and he just learned about it last night. And, and that kind of thing was on an increase. This is probably 12 years ago or more. Yeah. And um, we, we decided as a group right then that we were gonna work with the NCA and start uh, you know, some mental, intentional mental health, professional development and make that an issue and, and get that discussion going. And it's still ongoing at a robust level at the NCA level. I feel like I feel like we were some impetus to that, you know, at least. And um, you know, I, I I think that 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 it's a very important component. And I, I I believe that that part of the reason, and there, and there, it's a lot more than that, I think. But part of the reason is, as athletes, you know, from a young age, you know, we're training. I'm I don't know what age you started gymnastics, but I'm going to guess it was pretty darn young. And that was your life for a long, long time. Right. Yes. And so if, in order to drive yourself to that level and, and put that much sweat equity in and in, in, in your, your heart and your soul and, and sacrifice all the things that you're sacrificing to get to that level, it is your identity. It is, it is your singular identity in many cases. So if you're in a competition where all of a sudden that's threatened, you think you're going to lose, mm -hmm. you start having irrational thoughts. Mm -hmm. You start, you know, just like Joey does, who's the average high school competitor in, in name your sport, starts mm -hmm. thinking, oh, man, they all think I'm pretty good. And I'm the best in the backyard. I'm the best in the league. I'm the best in, in um, if I lose. Mm -hmm. Well, then they all think I have a word on my nose. I'll be walking down the hallway and they won't <laughs> like me. And that, because that's all that, that's the only value I have. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and so they think people aren't going to like you and they start thinking, I'm, I'm not going to have the same status walking down the halls of the school yeah. or, and, I, and your self-identity gets so absorbed into that, mm -hmm. that you begin to have fear that you will lose that fear of failure. But, and, and you have to rationalize the irrational, you're a human being, you have, mm -hmm. It's if you lose, I mean, the greatest people fail forward. Okay, yeah. they, they, it's a series of failures, and they go forward. So it, it's it's okay, and you you can't become paralyzed by that fear because it'll be self prophetic. We all know that, right? Right. Right. So so to me, both in the fact that I go back to the educational model we ought to be preaching anyway, and the yeah. way we ought to be raising our kids anyway, yeah. is yes. For someone to become that good at something, their identity is going to be very absorbed in it. But it can't be the only piece of their self-identity. They have to be given and cultivated other dimensions of their self-identity. They're, they're a smart student. They're mm -hmm. intelligent. You are good at art. You, uh, you're, you're, you, you, you're hunter and fisherman person, and you get good at fly fishing, and Mm -hmm. you're a kind person and you always have this impact on people and make people laugh, whatever it is mm -hmm. that cult, you yourself it, at certain ages have to start taking responsibility for that too. But parents, even coaches and other people that are impacting these people need to develop other parts of their self-concept. Mm -hmm. So it's not so singular because I think it's less likely that fear of failure will creep in as more difficult.
I think that's so true. And I love that you said they need to develop other parts of their self-concept as par part of your self-care. Because when, like you said, if, if they can develop other parts of their self-concept, then when they're done with sports, whether through an injury, whether not giving the scholarship, whether through finishing as a pro level, you finish sometime and you have to learn how to manage life without being in the gym eight hours a day, <clears throat> which is very difficult for former athletes. That, that's a whole podcast in itself too, is moving on from sports without the self-identity of being only a successful athlete. It's a hard one when you have nothing else to, to create part of your identity with. If, if sports is the only thing, then that's all you have. And when you're done, you don't know what's left. It's a hard road to go to and figure out after sports. You have to figure it out along the way to be a healthy, happy, satisfied athlete, right? And person, yes. yes. That transition, you know, and I, I, had a, I had a friend that was also, an, uh, he was an all-American college wrestler, went on to be a very successful high school coach. Yeah. And, you know, you, a lot of times those athletes, you know, you come into the room and like I said, all of a sudden you're out of your backyard and, <laughs> and you're in there with all kinds of other athletes that have achieved what you've done or more. And some of them maybe achieve less in high school, but they've been in a college wrestling room, in my case, for a year or two. And they're a whole different person you now. And, and you're like, whoa, I can't even beat so-and-so. He was from a high school near me and he didn't do near what I did. Well, yeah, that says he's been in that environment for a couple of years, you know, and it's a whole different deal. And, and so with, with that whole challenge, I think that um, one of the things that, that needs to have, you know, a lot of times you still hear those kids talking about high school and he used to always kind of, tongue in cheek. Ah, that's high school. Ah, that's high school. You know, there they are still talking about high school. And, and it's true. If you're going to, it's one thing to reminisce a little, if you're going to stay focused on that and ride on those laurels, you're not going to make more achievements and accomplishments. Well, it's true beyond sport, not just from one level of sport to the other, but in life, you know, be proud of what you did. Reminisce. Those are great memories. Don't ever forget. Go back and watch some videos once in a while. <laughs> Do, let mom and dad brag on you at Thanksgiving. But, but, but go make more hay, go make more uh, accomplishments. And they may not be as much in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. It may be, it, it may, but, but contribute. Kind of uh, like Michael like Jordan. You said I, he lifted the team. Michael Jordan lifted the team. Go out and lift people because of what you've learned, right? I, I like that. I, I love that. And I also believe this. People do service. Go work in soup kitchens or go read to elementary kids or do other acts of kindness. Mm -hmm. And it's like, see, look what they're giving. You know what? They're getting because that will make them mentally more happy. It will make them, it will give them a different identity of contribution that yeah. they're giving that gives them a self-worth that's beyond their sport or whatever their other identity is in. And so I'm a big believer in, in people getting formally involved with their teams and their student athletes and those types of activities as well. I love it. There's so many things that you said that I want to go on, but because of time, we're going to go ahead and finish up here. Dr. Greg Wagner, you guys have been, he's amazing. He has a consulting service, Rocky Mountain Consulting Service. And I just want him to just give us a couple of things about that. Um, Dr. Wagner, you had told me that you help with people who are struggling, trying to figure out the whole path from high school athletics to the scholarship and how it's not always for everybody. And you help them with their 
mindset along the way of, with all of this, which I think is beautiful. You've had a lot of experience with helping athletes get from point A to point B and then to point Z and beyond. And I would love for you just to tell us a couple of things, how they can get a hold of you, what your consulting service offers, and then um, leave us with a tip if you have a tip that can be for, for athletic directors who are searching for these right now or coaches who are trying to figure out what to do for their teams. Athletes hopefully know that they can get help. But sometimes the coaches don't. And sometimes athletic directors think they know what they can do, but there's so much more out there. So leave us with what you want and then tell us a little bit about what you're offering with your consulting service through Rocky Mountain. Well, yeah, uh, Rocky Mountain Consulting Services, I've done on a part-time basis because I've been still an athletic director for full-time. Yeah. Uh, so I've done it for off and on for, for the past 20 years. And, and, and I offer a variety of services and, you know, including, you know, fundraising, uh, people are building, you know, I've, I've, we've done some capital construction projects that I'm pretty proud of. And, um, you know, a lot of fundraising and development work and um, consulting for people with booster clubs and camps and um, things of that nature, uh, feasibility studies for people that are maybe adding sports or not. Right now, uh, quite frankly, I've been real busy with COVID-19 stuff, and I think it's a brand new frontier, and um, I think that we're all learning on the fly, but I, I do think I have some experience already that I can share with people on that. So there's a number of different things, but some of the some of my favorite areas uh, to consult with are, are the mental game, learning how to visualize, learning those exercises, but, but kind of beyond that, you know, we do uh, parent relations, uh, how, how that relation, uh, that's what I love about your company is how you've made it so comprehensive. I really love that when I was reading over your website. And, and I think that's brilliant the way you've done that because it, because it, it leaves a piece out. If they're getting this message over here and your work over here is with them, if, if they're not in sync. And so I really, between the parents, the coaches, the, the, the athlete, everyone involved in this process to get involved with you or whomever they may use as a consultant, I think that um, that's really important so that everybody, so, so then there is trust. You, you all kind of understand the same rhythm and, and that's how you can get there, right? Yes. So I, I think that's important. I think that, um, you know, a lot of people are just trying to, when you, when you ask somebody, in my experience, when I've asked somebody, well, here's some of what I can do. They want me to come in and do a consulting. Um, what would you like? And I kind of even tease them and push them toward this, this mental part and tying that in with how they market their um, student athlete to college to more to be able to get in the NCAA eligibility center or to get you know um, be able to get the attention of college coaches or all of that kind of thing. This is an important part, and I'll tease toward that. And the average person, they again, they 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 no, I want you to come in and show a whole bunch of these wrestling moves, or I want you to come in and. And, and do this, which is fine, mm -hmm. but they, they immediately gravitate away from those when it's 90% of the game, you know? And sometimes I don't know that everybody sees their job as helping navigate through that maze of getting to a college and understanding what's there and what's not there and some of the myths. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think there's a number of uh, things in that area from marketing to the eligibility center to to the mental game that I think are, are very important in the transition, particularly today with this generation. And I don't mean to sound like somebody long in the tooth when I say that, but there, there just are different issues today. A teenager today 
is living in a much more complex world, heading into a much more complex and challenging world than, than when I was that age. And so I, I think there are some things there that the other things can come. Mm -hmm. That's an area that I think really needs some focus and some attention. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I do a number of, of, of different consultings, but that's the main thing. Right now, uh, as I've been working full time, I had taken my website down. I'm, I'm going to get it back up and running. But the best way to get a hold of me is my phone number at 970-765-6325. And then uh, my uh, email address is coachwags55 at gmail.com. And that's C-O-A-C-H-W-A-G-S-5-5 at gmail.com. And we'll put that in the show. Oh, my goodness, Dr. Wagner. It's been so, there's so many things. I have to have you back on here because I have some, I made a few notes while you were talking. I, I want you to discuss these things and these things. There's so many great things. Thank you so much for your time. And we will get those, um, the the contact information in the show notes. For those of you listening, Dr. Greg Wagner, he is still currently an athletic director. He has uh, provided so many services for so many people and he has a lot to offer. If you were looking, trying to figure out to, how to navigate NCAA, how to nav navigate the clearinghouse, how to navigate marketing your athlete to be able to get in front of people, to be able to have the opportunity, how to develop the parent relationship among all there's so many great pieces to this puzzle and i appreciate your time today i appreciate your um your advice your tips your tools your stories and we will definitely have you back on here and have a fabulous day thank you so much for having me <laughs> thanks for tuning in we believe that you've got this but we would love to help you in your athletic journey we know you need to get maximum results in the shortest time possible so we've created a program with short, effective lessons and coaching that you can fit between practice and the rest of life. We coach parents, coaches, and athletes in the mental and emotional health tools they need to create an environment for athletes to thrive. Invest in the one thing that will have the greatest impact on your success, your mind. Check us out at athletesmindsetacademy.com. Let's do this.